Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Amen. All right. Let's talk about the best Sunday ever. Now, I know that every Sunday is good. I love Sundays. I've had so many good Sundays in my life, and, and, and so many good things have happened in my life on a Sunday at church. And, and why would we call it the best Sunday ever? Well, the reason we're calling it the best Sunday ever is because I firmly believe that today is going to be one of those days that somebody will say, this is the best Sunday that I've ever had. This is the best Sunday because this is a day where I believe that God is going to talk to you and God is going to help you. And uh, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about God touching lives. And, and, and a big part of our life is perception. Perception is, is a very powerful thing in our life. It's, it's the way we see things. And, and perception is simply the ability to see some things through the lens uh, of all of our uh, emotional things that have happened in the past, all of our experiences, uh, all of our thoughts. And, and, and we really, when, when it comes down to it, we see something uh, by the way that we've been influenced in our own life. In our own life, we have things that have happened we have situations that we've gone through and those things have had such an impact on us that when we see certain things, we perceive them through the lens of the things that have happened to us in the past or the things that we've been taught or the way that we feel. And, and, and you know, that can be such a, a, such a powerful emotion in us when we see things through that lens. I, I'll give you an example, a personal example. Um, when I was just a teenager, my parents had gone out of town uh, they were actually uh, in another country uh, speaking at a conference and, and, and a bunch of friends uh, of mine, we got together and we went and ate pizza. Now, I, I have to admit to you that, that pizza has always been one of my favorite things and, and I really enjoyed that night. We sat around, we laughed and, and we just had a blast and, and, and about two o'clock that morning, I just became violently ill. I mean, it was just a, a food poison like I've never had before. And, and the only thing that I could think of when I was so sick was that pizza. <laughs> I, I couldn't, you know, and, and, you know, that was just a part of my diet when I was a teenager. I mean, two or three pizzas a week was not unheard of. And did you know that for months after that, anytime I thought of pizza, smelled pizza, the perception was so violent that, that I, I would really almost get sick just thinking about it. Now, through hard work and perseverance, I have completely overcome that. <laughs> I, I, I have completely overcome it. And at least once a week, I order a medium thin crust Blanco pizza with pepperoni, hamburger, and jalapenos on it. Yes, hallelujah. But, but it's amazing how that changed my thought. The pizza hadn't really changed. The, the places that I would eat pizza at hadn't changed, but something on the inside of me had changed. And, and that's just one little simple thing. We know throughout our life, there are certain things that happen that change our perception and the way that we look at things and the way that we perceive things and, and the way that we think things work. And, and it's powerful. And I, I, let me take that a step forward. Uh, uh, 
I believe that it's also even spiritual. I believe that, that what goes on in our spirits, and, and when I say spiritual, I'm not necessarily talking about the spirit of God. I'm talking about what goes on in our spirits. What happens in our spirits many times colors the world around us. And if I'm not healthy in my spirit, then I can look at the world and see something that is completely different than what the world really is. I can see things that, that uh, around me and I can uh, interpret them very poorly just simply because of what's going on in my spirit. I, I really feel like that this is a pandemic in itself in the world that we're living in that so many people have such perceptions that anything that anybody says is under attack and under question because we're coming from that place of an unhealthy feeling, unhealthy spirit. And this is not something that's new. This is something that was very much alive in the times of Jesus. As a matter of fact, in the book of Matthew chapter 22, we see Jesus talking. And as he's talking about his kingdom, what he's really trying to do is pour down, pull down the, the, the misconception and, and, and how people perceive the kingdom of God. You see, if you go back to Matthew chapter 21, you find that Jesus is talking to a group of people that are very toxic. They're, they're, they're very uh, negative. They're, they're, they're the religious leaders of the day and, and, and they had gotten, to, uh, they'd gotten it so wrong. They had gotten the kingdom of God so wrong and, and they couldn't perceive what God really wanted to do uh, for the people. And, and, and unfortunately, these toxic leaders controlled the house of God. They controlled the, the people's perception about God. What they said uh, was so strong that it really clouded people's minds about what God was all about and what God wanted to accomplish and, and what God wanted to do in their lives. And, and one thing that I, I've understood is that our perception of God's house is determined a lot by what is going on inside of us. Our perception of God's house is determined a lot by what's going on inside of us. And I see it every Sunday. I see people come in and I see some of them have a spirit of anger or some of them have a spirit of grief. And, 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 and in the house, many times I see people that have a spirit of, of doubt or they're being skeptical and, and they don't really know what's going on. And, 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 and listen, if you're looking for God's house to be perfect, you've missed the message of the kingdom of God. You've missed it. You've missed the message. We are not perfect, but we are forgiven. Hallelujah. We're not perfect, but we have purpose. And so many people are looking, they're condemned in their own life. And so it's easy to come in and be condemning of everything else. And, and Jesus saw that in the people that he was talking to in the book of Matthew chapter 21. So when it comes to Matthew chapter 22, he starts with this story. He says, Jesus responded by telling them still more stories. God's kingdom, he said, is like a king who threw a wedding banquet for his sons and sent out servants to call in all the invited guests and they wouldn't come. I want you to think about that for just a minute. He's talking to this group. 
that they're spiritually toxic, that they, he was trying to tell them what, the, what God's kingdom was all about, what, what God's house was all about, and, and, and God's house wasn't like what the religious leaders had led them to believe. As a matter of fact, they had led them to believe that it was so difficult that most people had completely shut out God or turned away from God or, or didn't participate in anything that was of God. That's, that's why the message of John the Baptist was so powerful in that day because it was so simple of coming and repenting. And, and when people would come and repent, they were reunited with the purpose that God had for their life. And, and, and Jesus is saying that this is what the kingdom of God is like. The idea to them was that the, the kingdom of God was a place that took away from them. The, 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 the religious leaders had built it to a place where if you're going to serve God, it's such a high cost that you can't even pay it. You know, to, to them, the kingdom was something that placed hard burdens on them. The, the kingdom was a place that, 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 that inspected their lives. When they walked in, they were inspected to find fault. And, and, and they, they knew that when they went into God's house, they were going to be looked up and down to see what it was wrong or what was right. And, and it was a place that they could never measure up and, and nothing that they would do would ever be good enough. That's what the kingdom of God meant to the people that Jesus is talking about. It, it was a place where there were insiders that in group that were holy and acceptable before God and then everybody else was outsiders there was the holy and then there was the unclean and, and Jesus dealt with that so many times in his messages and in his stories it, it, it was where your behavior was scrutinized it was looked over it was it was judged and, and you know what the great majority of people were judged to be unworthy that, that's what Jesus is speaking into this culture. And that's what Jesus was speaking into these people. And, and, and while many of them had completely given up on God and the kingdom, Jesus comes and, and he didn't compare the kingdom of God or the house of God to a courthouse. He compared it to a king throwing a wedding party. Oh man, that just makes me so happy. He, he, didn't, he didn't compare it to a place where they were going to be judged and they were going to be condemned and, and they were going to be sad and they were going to be, it would cost them. He said, no, no, the kingdom of God is like this king who's the most powerful being in all the realm and he's throwing a wedding party. Man. Now, now in that day and time, you have to understand that the wedding party was the best that a person had to offer. They went all out. They, they did everything they could for that celebration. And, and those wedding celebrations were not like our weddings. Our weddings today are an hour, two hours, three hours. And, 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 and in that day and time, it was a week-long celebration. And the host would, would feed everybody and they would have all types of celebration. And then can you imagine what a wedding feast would be like when the king was giving that wedding feast? When the king who had the best that the country could offer, when, when he could do things that no one else could do, can you imagine what it would have been like? And, and, and I really believe that this could be your best Sunday ever if you will grasp, if you 
you will see what our King and our Lord has to offer in his kingdom if you can see what God's goodness and love is for you. Hallelujah. Is anybody thankful for the goodness of God? Is anybody thankful for the love of God? Man, they were singing those songs and they were talking about how much he loves us and and that's enough. And I agree completely. I believe that God's house is a display of God's goodness, of God's mercy, of God's grace. And one reason so many people perceive church differently is because when they come in, they look for people and their perception is, look at how these people are flawed and look at how these people are messed up and they don't realize that what they should be looking at is not the people, but the God that the people serve and see his goodness and see his mercy and see how it is everlasting and without end. Oh my goodness. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And just like that king could provide a party like no one else in the realm can, God provides what no one else can provide. Amen. Now maybe you have a perception and maybe it's based on bad ideas or bad information or preconceived notions or even bad theology. But when Jesus started talking here, he compared God's house and he compared God's kingdom to a royal party. And I believe that this verse, this next verse that I'm going to give you, it should say a lot about where we're at. That this is what David said in Psalms 122 and 1. I preached from this just a few months ago when they said, let us go to the house of God. My heart leaped for joy. I was happy. I was so thankful. And why? Why would we be happy when we go to the house of the Lord? Because it's in the house of the Lord that dreams come true. It, 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 is, it's, it really is. It's where dreams come true. It's where, where we find our God-given dream and we start following it. And all of a sudden, the things that we've dreamed for our life come true because God is in it. I want to know, is there anybody here that you've had a God-given dream come true in the house of the Lord? Amen. Amen. It's in, it's in this place where passion is awakened for something that is beyond the, the, the ordinary. It's, it's in this house where, where relationships are formed, where hope is renewed, where faith grows, where burdens are removed. Instead of burdens being placed on us, it's when we come into this house that burdens are removed, where we feel light, where we feel the peace of God. You see, the best things in life, and when I say life, I'm talking about eternity, happens in the presence of God. The best things. The best things happen in the presence of God. And the the second perspective shift for these toxic people, uh, Jesus continued with his story. And in the fourth verse, he says this, he sent out another round of servants instructing them to tell the guests, look, 
Everything is on the table. Just turn to your neighbor and say, everything is on the table. Everything that you would desire, everything that you would want, it's on the table. The, the, the message says it like this, the prime rib is ready for carving. I, I felt the spirit of the Lord when I said that. Are there any prime rib people in the house? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Everything is on the table. The, the prime rib is ready for carving. Please, please look at the last sentence. Come to the feast. Come to the feast. But this is the thing that we need to understand about God and about his kingdom. When, when we think about the toxic people, this, this is what they spent their time on. They spent their time emphasizing the reasons that people were disqualified from coming to God's house. As a matter of fact, they compiled a list. I've heard many different numbers, but it's over 700 rules that these toxic people had come up with that, that was to keep people on the outside and, and, and not let them in. Yet, yet in this story, in this story, we find God is beginning to shift the narrative. Jesus is shifting the narrative from people being refused from people being turned away, from, from people being blocked. Nobody wants to be blocked, right? Nobody, you know, you, you're on Facebook and you find, you're searching for a friend and like, what, what happened? Where, and you found that they blocked you? Nobody likes that. And nobody wants to be blocked from the kingdom of God. And, 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 and what is happening here is Jesus is telling them, even in the next chapter, Jesus looks at these toxic people and he tells them, they, they were known as the Pharisees. He said, you, you refuse to go in the kingdom of God. That's bad enough. But then he says, and you block everybody else from going in. You block people. And here Jesus is changing the story. He's changing the negative. And, 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 and in the story that he's telling here, that there are several times that the servants, servants who were a part of the king's house, servants that were a part of the, this royal palace, they were actually reaching out to people and encouraging people to come in. They were saying, no, come on, the, the feast is ready. The prime rib is ready to carve. Come on in. They think about the change that Jesus is trying to bring to their minds and trying to bring to their thoughts to, to, from thinking that, that it's hard to get in and thinking that it's, that, oh, I, I have so many things that I have to do and there's so many, there's so many rules and they're, 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 I, I, there's no way that I can make it to where it's an invitation and you can come in at any time, any time. Oh my goodness. I'm thankful for that. I have heard stories in the past of churches that would stand at the door and if certain types of people would come in or certain colors of people would come in, they would say, there's another church for you here or there or anywhere. And I'm just here to tell you that we were never called to be bouncers of the house of God. We were always called to be the promoters of the house of God. And I'm glad that I can tell you today that this is a house that is open for all because I our Lord has bid you to come, has bid you to come.
has asked you to come on in, what, what would it be like? Just let me ask you this question this morning. What would it be like if we, as a people, became a group that decided that we were gonna promote the goodness of God to everyone we could find? We were going to be promoters of the kingdom of God. We were going to talk about how good God has been to us. And, and, and I'm just asking you right now, is there anyone in the room that has a testimony of the goodness of God in your own life? If God's been good to you, why don't we rejoice for a minute? Why don't we say, thank you, Jesus? Come on, friends, Wood, don't you know that we serve a God that is good to us? Hallelujah. What would happen if we as a group of people decided that's what we're going to promote? We are going to promote the good things that God has done in my life. I want to sing it from the mountaintops, how good God has been to me. You're looking at someone that does not deserve the love of God, does not deserve the mercy of God. You're looking at someone that feels unqualified every Every single Sunday, but because of the goodness of the Almighty God, I am here and I'm thankful that I'm part of the kingdom of God. I'm thankful that I had the invitation. I'm thankful that Jesus said, come on, the feast is ready. I want to be a promoter, not a bouncer. What if we promoted the goodness of God? What if we just started talking about how good God is? Did you know that he's working when we don't see him working? How many of you know that? Well, let me tell you, let me tell you how he's working. This is what Paul said to the church in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the good news of Christ. It is the power of God at work. The good news of God, the gospel, the, the, the message of Jesus Christ, it's at work. It's working right now throughout the word world. And this is what it says, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. Is that powerful when we think about it? That the power of God, how many of you know about the power of God? Let me just tell you a few things about it. He spoke and the stars found their place in the sky. He spoke and earth came together. He spoke and a sun and a moon started. He spoke and life sprang forward. I'm talking about a powerful God who has all power in his hands. And this is what the scripture is telling me. That same power that called the world into existence is now the power at work in the world to bring salvation to everyone. So we should be telling them about it. We should be promoting it. We should be talking about it, that our God is good. Amen. The good news. Everybody say the good news. Everybody and friends would say the good news. The good news is that Jesus is powerful enough to bring about a change in anyone's life. Anyone. Turn to your neighbor and say anyone. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you have been addicted to. I don't care what kind of crime you have committed. The power of God is able to change a person's life. It is God's power 
at work. Is there anybody in the room that's had your life changed by the power of Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. That is good news. That is good news. And and even with the house full, and, and even with the servants inviting everyone to the party, do you know what some people do? They still refuse. They still refuse. They still say, no, I'm not going. And Jesus addressed that in the eighth verse of Matthew chapter 22. I want you to look and see what he says. He said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now, now I want to just say something right here. That's a hard saying, isn't it? Let's just be honest. It's a little bit offensive (laughs) that Jesus would say that we're not worthy. But the truth is, what he's saying here is that while we're all special in the sight of God, we all have a choice. And a choice is a powerful thing. A choice is a mighty thing in our life. And the perception that goes along with the choices that we make help mold us. And and, and perhaps the greatest perception in life is when we perceive what really matters. I'm going to tell you something. The people that refused the invitation to the party had no perception of what was really important and what really mattered. If they would have had the proper balance, you know what they would have done? They would have run to the banquet. They would have run to the feast. They would would have made their way there no matter what happens because they would have perceived what is really important. Now, Now, the word worthy there, the, the, the word that worthy, the, the, let, let me say it this way. The ones who were worthy were the ones that accepted the invitation. So, so why did they accept the invitation and why didn't some people, uh, and why did some people refuse? Because the people that accepted, they saw the value of the thing. And when it says worthy there, what it's, what it's really talking about is, is it's an old word. It's an old uh, uh, Greek word that talks about the weight. How many of you have ever seen a scale? You know, not, not the kind of scale that you stand on and cuss at. Oh, wait, I, we don't cuss. The one that we don't like what we read, you know, not that type of scale. I'm talking about the old, those old types of scale that had two arms that would go up and down. And when you would buy something, they had a weight that uh, was attributed to a certain price and they would put that weight and then you would pile on the things that you wanted until it reached a balance and then you would pay that amount of money for what was on there. Amen. I know I explained that where there is absolutely no question in your mind about what a scale is. Help me, Jesus. But, But what happens is the heavier items outweigh the lighter items. And therefore, the heavier items would have more value. The things that had weight, the things that had, that had value. And, and, and I know a lot of people, you, you have, you have th- this world on one hand and you have eternity on one hand. And, and somehow, the, the career that you are seeking weighs more than the things of God. And somehow, somehow, man, if I could just get that jet uh, ski boat or whatever, <laughs> very nautical, folks. I know a lot about it. Jet ski boat. That, 
Somehow that boat gets a little more weighty and and somehow, somehow that, that hobby becomes more, more weighty and, and all of a sudden the things of God are not as important because these things require our attention and, and we've got to go and we've got to, we've got to uh, buy this field and we've got to go and we've got to, we've got to take care of these oxen and we've got to do this. Then all of a sudden there's things that are they're more weighty in our life than the things that really matter. I just want to tell you that the, the day that you step into eternity, your career is not going to matter to you. Man, that, that wasn't in my notes, but that was a great point. I, I think I'll preach that for just a few minutes. The day you step into eternity, your hobbies are not going to matter. The day that you step into, money, into eternity, your stocks and bonds and retirement is not going to matter to you. The day you step into eternity, your level of, of education is not going to matter to you. And I'm not saying those things aren't important. I'm just saying they don't compare in the importance that is in eternity. They don't compare to being in the house of God. They don't compare to being a part of the party that takes place at the king's house. They don't compare to the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, when you find God's will, when you find God's call, when you find God's purpose, it's always going to outweigh all of the frivolous temporal things that are in your life. Amen. One of the things that I say here all the time is the best life you could ever live. Okay, side note. I went into an Amazon bookstore yesterday at Baybrook Mall. Amazon bookstore, what, what? I don't understand. Just leave Barnes and Noble alone. You've got the whole online stuff sold up. Leave Barnes and Noble alone. Instead, you have to have a bookstore? Come on, Amazon. Is Jeff Bezos listening to this message? And, and listen, when I went in, they had one section that said, your best life ever. And it was like one book, some books had cuss words in it. I didn't even look at them. Well, I looked at them, but then I looked away as fast as I could. I sure didn't read the titles in my mind. Well, I read the titles in my mind, but I quickly erased it because I didn't want those cuss words in my mind. But there was books like, a cookbook, <laughs> herbal something cookbook. I, I, I opened it and looked at one of the recipes and I thought that will never make me the best life that I, where are the cheese enchiladas? There's none in there. There, there was one book, there were several books about girl, you need to apologize or girl, you need to talk to someone or girl, I like, what, what's all the girl stuff in this section? But, but truly, the best life that you could ever live. I think everybody wants to live the best life they could ever live. The best life that you could ever possibly live is the life you live when you discover why God created you. Amen. 
and why God put you together the way that he put you together and what callings he has in your life. Maybe that calling is to be friends. Maybe that calling is to pray. Maybe that calling is to be a missionary. Maybe that calling is to be, I don't know what it is, but, but when you find it, it's the best life that you could ever live. God's purpose and God's plan and God's will is amazing. And, and this is what happens when I find it. I find my worth. <laughs> I, I find what my life is all about. I, I find the goodness of what God wants from me. This is what I find. Listen to me for just a minute. I find that God can use me. We just say that with me, God can use me. There's no greater calling, there's no greatest purpose, there, there's no greater achievement in all of the world than to be used by God. And this is what Paul said when he was writing to Timothy, Timothy 2, uh, 2 Timothy 2.21, he says, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. God can use me. And this is what the best Sunday is. The best Sunday ever is not when we just dance and shout and have good songs and giveaways. And there are giveaways after church. When you go out, there's all kind of goodies. We have a shaved ice truck coming for the kids. And I'm 59. I'm a kid, so I'll be out there. There's more to the best Sunday than just those things. The best Sunday ever is when I discover how much God loves me. And when I discover the goodness of God, and when I discover his will, his calling, and his purpose for my life. And, And you know what I love about that? My resume doesn't, God is not looking for my resume. In in other words, my past has no bearing on what God has for me tomorrow. Because many people will let their past, their failures, their faults, the mess ups. Anybody ever have a mess up in your life? Let me just see your hand. Many people that have mess ups in your life, you think that that completely uh, excludes you from what God wants. and, And that's not it at all. That's what God specializes in. Please read the Bible and see all the misfits and murderers and adulterers and, and just crazy people that God chose and used. Amen. We all have a little crazy in us. And God is he, he, my past. And, and, and I'm going to say something else. I want you to listen to me. Even my present, e- even what I'm going, what's going on in my life right now, it doesn't determine if God can use me. The only thing determines, that determines whether God uh, or, or can use me is my response to God's invitation. It's what I say. When the servants come and they say, the master has bid you to come, it's my response to that invitation that will determine if God will use me. I'm gonna wrap up here and I wanna just say it like this. Maybe today is your day to make a fresh start. Fresh start. Stand with me. Friends would stand with me.
Now, now what is the biblical fresh start? You know, people throughout life are looking for fresh starts. You know, they're recreating themselves. They're moving to different countries, different states, different cities, different jobs, different marriages, which God help us. But truly, a fresh start in the Bible is just one simple word, and the word is repentance. Repentance. Has anybody ever watched a video or been to a military graveyard where they have an honor guard? And you see that honor guard marching, and they have, they have a certain amount of space that they march in, and when they get to the end of that, that part of their march, they stop, right? They click their heels together, which I'm not going to attempt today. I don't want to embarrass anybody with my military skills. And they turn around very smoothly. And do you know what that move is called? It's called repent. It's called repent. Now I know somebody said about face, but if you go back and look at the military history, it's called repent. And it simply means to turn around. What is repentance? Repentance is taking a look at where I'm headed and understanding that it's not pleasing to God, that it's not what God wants for my life that it's not God's will for my life. And it's simply saying today, right now, I'm doing about face, I am turning around, I'm repenting, and I'm gonna stop going in that direction, and I'm gonna go in another direction. You see, the good news, the gospel, when I start weighing things, and I see how much weight those things of eternity have, it stops me from pursuing worthless things and, and pursuing things that, that, that don't really matter. And, and this is what I pursue. I pursue the things that have value. I, I pursue the things that tip the scale in my life from meaningless to meaningful. I, 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 it tips the scale of things in my life that are from purposeless to purposeful. I turn my life around. I repent. This is the beautiful thing about repentance. The scripture is full of promises that if we repent, that he will hear us, God will hear us, and he will forgive. Your best life, your best Sunday ever will be when you throw some things off that are worthless and you put in your life the things that are of value and you follow the Lord with all of your heart. Now, I'm, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray for the Houston campus, the Friendswood campus, and when I'm finished praying, Pastor Bo will take the service there and, and we'll have just a moment more. If the prayer team will come and get ready, I'm gonna call for people to come and pray in just a moment. So prayer team, come on in. And if you'll just take a minute and, and, just, and, and just close your eyes. Why close my eyes? I don't want you to be distracted by anything. I want you to focus on God. And let me just pray for you right now. Lord, I thank you so much 
that you have freely invited us to be a part of your kingdom, that you have freely invited us to be a part of your party, God. Thank you for letting us know that, uh, that there's not a burdensome carrying of weights that go with this, but it's, it's simply giving it to you, Lord. You, 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 are, you are meek and lowly. You are taking on our sins, on our burdens, and, and you love us so much, dear Lord, that you, uh, that you want us to be a part of your kingdom. Thank you for that, dear Lord. And this is what I would pray, dear Lord, for every person that's here with their eyes closed. I pray that in their spirit, they would see their arms as a scale and, and they would see, dear Lord, the things that they have put so much importance on that really don't make a bit of sense, that are valueless, that are temporal, that lead to, dis, to, to, to unhappiness and unfulfillment. And I, and I pray, dear Lord, that you would help them see the things in life that would bring them joy and that would bring them peace and that would bring them fulfillment and would bring them purpose, dear God. And I pray that today that we would embrace those things with all of our heart and that we would live for you with everything that we have. I ask you to talk to our hearts, dear Lord, and help us to truly repent like never before. We ask it in Jesus' name and everyone said amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We need a couple of more members of the prayer team. If you're here, even if you're not scheduled, please come up and help us today. Now, I'm going to ask the team to come back and lead us in a time of worship. And this is what I'd like for you to do. I would like for you, if you have felt that call of repentance in your life, if you have felt the Lord pulling you, this is what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to come down and find one of our prayer team members to pray with, pray with you, ask the Lord to help you. And really, as the team begins to sing, this is, this is the way I'd love to close this. Even if you're not gonna come to a prayer partner, will you just come and start spreading across the front of this building? And let's close out this best Sunday ever with just our praise and our adoration for the mighty God who is good and who loves us in Jesus' name. Thank you, Light Church. I love you.